Hi, I'm Matthew Viriapa, and you're listening to Songwriters and Tour Writers. You're listening to the title track off of Bo Jennings and the Tigers album, The Thunderbird. Earlier this month, I spoke to the frontman Bo Jennings, a songwriter, architect, and documentarian. He spoke about that album and its newly released sequel, Son of Thunderbird, as well as the documentary he made about Will Rogers called The Vertigris. My name is Bo Jennings. I'm a singer and a songwriter, and I often play with my backing band that's called The Tigers. Who is uh, in the band? Like, what's the lineup right now? The lineup right now um, on the guitar and keyboards and backing vocals is uh, Chase Kirby. On the bass guitar is Michael Trapanier. On the drums is Dustin Ragland. And on the keyboards um, is John McCall. And how did uh, this group kind of form? Well, the band has a kind of an interesting history. I first played with a band called the Tigers back in 2011, and that was when my friend Bradley uh, Be- uh, Bradley Beasley, who is a filmmaker, he has this event down in Paul's Valley every summer called the Okie Noodling Tournament, and he has a band play it. And he asked if I would play, and at the time I didn't have a band. And so I asked some friends who I had played with before, well, that band, those that group of friends had been backing other songwriters at the time, and they were calling themselves the Tigers. And so we just billed it as Bo Jennings and the Tigers. And one by one, those guys have... Um, you know, had to move on, join other bands, that sort of thing. And so one by one, I've replaced, I've slowly replaced it. For some reason, I, uh, it stuck, it worked with me. And, um, and, uh, I, I guess I kind of hijacked the band and, or at least the name. So it, it's, a bit, it's been a complete turnover, I guess I should say from the original lineup, but, um, but, but we're able to keep going. So last fall, you, uh, released an album called Thunderbird. Why the name? The Thunderbird was a name that I guess um, wasn't too specific, and it was kind of a kind of an attempt to sum up a lot of the themes and concepts and and stories on the record in a way that didn't feel um, maybe too on the nose or too or too limiting. Um, it felt a little bit. Uh, hard to define and something that was also familiar to me at the same time. And so it ju- it just kind of struck that right balance of of alluding to something specific but also but also something evasive and to me that kind of felt like the 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 tone and the theme of of the record. Is it a reference at all to like like Thunderbird in Oklahoma? It's not a specific reference to the lake, that name, and even Thunderbird, you know, imagery is always kind of rolling around in the back of my head, just as, you know, a resident of Norman. I think it's just something always there. I wasn't picturing the lake by any means when I named the record, but, but uh, you know, I also have to admit that these are just kind of the images and sights and sounds that that just occupy someone's, uh, that occupies someone's head that, that lives in Norman. So what else went into the, the music of Thunderbird? Well, the record is a, you know, it's a, it's a rock and roll record. It was made with a band live in the studio. We recorded everything live. Uh, so the bass, drums, and guitar, and keyboards were all recorded at the same time. And that was to you know, really do our best to capture what a live band sounds like. That kind of energy that can only happen that way. I really like the band that we have right now. I really like the lineup. And I wanted to do my best to, uh, I guess, kind of capture that or honor that, you know, while we're all still together. You never know how long a band is going to play together. I 
I feel like we'll be together a long time, uh, but you never know. And so I wanted to not just record us playing uh, and tracking things together, but but actually being in a room and playing together live and feeding off each other and 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 kind of try to find that thing that comes from uh, having played together for a few years and you can kind of read each other's cues and and uh, kind of start to edge into um, unplanned moments or unexpected sounds and moments and feelings that uh, that can only happen when when a band is playing live. So, are there any musicians? you were thinking of when you started making this kind of rock and roll album? I think I wear my influences on my sleeve and I have no problems with that. There were definitely certain records and things I was listening to as we were making this record. Um, there was just a lot of kind of classic uh, 80s American rock and roll that I think went into it. And that's, that's really speaking from my from my perspective, I don't know everything that the other band members necessarily were being influenced by at the time, but that's kind of where I was coming from. I was listening to a lot of Dire Straits. It's a band I'd always known about, but, um, you know, that, that was a sound that I think, at least me personally, that we were kind of going for. I kind of liked that mix of old, um, old Buddy Holly kind of rock and roll, Elvis rock and roll with the more synth stuff added on top of it that kind of atmospheric sound you know walk of life or uh or uh so far away from me you know those are songs that just stick with you there's kind of a funny story i was at a wedding a couple years ago and i wanted to sing walk of life um at the karaoke after the wedding and I was ready to do it, and I was getting I was getting psyched up. But but the bride happened to be a really good singer on, on her own, and her mom was running the karaoke machine. I kept getting bumped. She kept giving her daughter songs to sing, and nobody needed me to get up and sing a Dire Straits song at a wedding. That's just you know, no one's going to be excited about that. But but I left the wedding thinking, man, I want a song like that to sing. I was really pumped about it. And so um, that's kind of where the song Getting's Good came from. Again, you should 
I just wanted a song like that in our set list. Yeah, one that you you really look forward to just kind of belting out, I guess. I can't it's it's hard to describe without just saying we I just want a fun rock and roll song to play. And so I don't try to overcomplicate it. That that's what that's what the band does and that's what we're good at. I think I was just kind of into this idea of uh, you know, what does it mean to be an Oklahoman today? What are those things that make that a unique time? And and uh, just kind of how do you how do you document that? How do you kind of how do you just chronicle that for for lack of a better word? So on Thunderbird, there are kind of a few different characters or perspectives that you sing from uh, in your songs. Are any of them based on like real people? Yeah, most of them are actually on the song Shaken, for example. That was based on someone that I met who, he was a guy about my age, maybe a little younger at the time. We got to talking about what we each do, and I could tell he was a little hesitant to tell me at first because he didn't really know who I was or what I thought about anything, but he eventually let out that he worked for a, a like a, a well injection, like a, he was, he's a fracker basically. Like I said, I could tell he had a little apprehension in admitting that to me. I got a job kind of at the time when a lot of earthquakes were happening in Oklahoma and a lot of it was being attributed to uh, wastewater injection. And I just thought so much about how this guy, this was a young guy, he had a family and I knew he'd, he'd been um, in the military. And I just got to thinking a lot about how a guy, how anybody, you know, we all have to get by and we all have to make, um, make choices to to uh, provide for our families and, and to provide for ourselves. And, um, you know, sometimes those are things that you may not know how you feel about. So I just kind of, I don't know, I kind of wanted to, I guess, humanize that person a little bit and, and just kind of imagine, put myself in that person's shoes and, and kind of write from that perspective. Discharged, it feels like you're starting to when you don't turn it away And I can't speak to the science But I can tell you If the actor chucks up the part of my day Don't pay That's the choice I'm making That's the choice I'm making That's the choice I'm making That's the choice I'm making
Was there a specific inspiration for that song, uh, Death Row Blues? Yeah, there was actually. Death Row Blues was um, that was kind of inspired by you know my mem- my memory's gotten a little bit hazy <laughs> over the last couple of years, but there was definitely a uh, a series of you know botched executions in Oklahoma, and I think that one came from a little bit more of a almost like a journalistic exercise, but but again and a lot of imagination too on my part of what's going through someone's brain that's in that situation. And also in inserting a lot of my own thoughts because I am imagining myself in that situation. So it's not about any one person or, you know, it's not about any one specific situation, but it's kind of a, a compilation of all those stories that I, I just felt like there was another character there that, that had something to say. They took a plate away, I didn't know where to feel I didn't want to complain about my last meal They led me back to my cell, sat on the bed of my shorts It's like I sang in a game, I thought I'd been there before I got the death row blues I got the old Oklahoma death row blues But then a phone call come, the governor herself They didn't have the right drugs around in the ship they let me turn on the TV, see my name scroll by. I see the cubs of the playoffs, so I just wanna cry. I see the tin command, it's in the news again. Feels like I'm on my third, no one's waving me in. I got the death row blues. I got the land of the red man, death row blues. The Lord, I know I'm guilty, I know he ain't alive But dear Lord above, oh, is this how we die? Do we just sit around by the telephone For a call from the governor to send us home? Got the death row blues I got the old home on death row You're also qualified as a professional architect. Is there any similarity between songwriting and architecture for you? I think the way that I was kind of taught to think about composing a drawing, composing a set of drawings, um, and how how a building goes together has helped me think about song structures for sure. And so I think a lot of the concepts I learned in school and and practicing architecture have absolutely affected how I think about how a song comes together, how you structure the the basics, the foundation of a song, and how much ornamentation do you put on on the rest of it, as opposed to how much, you know, how stark do you want the song to be? How much do you want to allow the foundation to just speak for itself? And uh, yeah, that that that's been an interesting interplay over the years for me. I've had this concept record floating around in my mind for a while about. Um, about the architect Bruce Goff, uh, who was a uh, a Norman-based architect for a while, and he um, he taught at the University of Oklahoma as well, and that's where I attended architecture school. And he's been someone that's been pretty fascinating to me for a while now, and I've been looking for a way to kind of uh, explore that. Um, explore that fascination through music. I haven't quite found a way to do it yet. I've, I feel like I'm kind of 
zoning in on or circling in on something at some point. I think overall, I I do enjoy the interplay of you know the built structure and and music and and exploring that to some to some degree, even if it's just applying the same concepts um, in a way that maybe no one else would recognize, but 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 it helps me frame and and think about those uh, myself. But sometimes, you know, I, I want to be careful to not, uh, well, with my record before the Thunderbird, which is called the Vertigris, and it was all music inspired by the life of Will Rogers. I don't want to make a Vertigris part two with just a new topic and just kind of plug it in and go from there. But I, but I do really like the deep dive into someone's life or some topic as a, as an inspiration to write music. When did you kind of write a lot of these songs? Most of these were written after I finished the Vertigris album, which uh, I came out in 2015. So, and the Thunderbird came out in 2019. So I'd say there was there was probably a three or four year period of of writing. Like I was saying earlier, there was this uh, sense of trying to capture what what what's going on right now. What you know, what it's kind of trying to take the temperature of of where I am and and what this all means. And and I didn't want to you know I didn't want to get too specific with it because I know that these things change and and things pass and things come and go. And so I wanted to to come at it from a perspective of you know, this is, this feels like an extreme time. What, what are the, what are the elements? What is, what's like back to architecture for a second? What are like the building blocks of this extreme time? And how can I, how can I kind of break these down and, and inspect each, each kind of structural element here? And because like I said, the times are going to change. And in, you know, eight, 10 years, we're going to be facing a whole new, a whole new world, a whole new set of circumstances. And so what are kind of the constants and what are the, what are the uh, constant themes and lessons and ideas that, that, uh, that will last. And so, you know, you kind of look at it from that, that kind of 30,000 foot view, but you also on a more, uh, egotistical level, I guess you want your record to not sound dated <laughs> in a few years. So you're kind of burning the candle at all these different ends as you, as you're making a record. Jumping into another track uh i was listening through the album uh i got to back in town and uh the beginning of it gave me a very like bruce springsteen vibe uh ironically born to run what was that purposeful at all trying to like channel the boss when you say ironically you i i assume you're talking about back born to run is a song about getting out of town yeah, and back in town is about you kind of returning to essentially a small smaller town. Uh, I hadn't thought of that at all. The the opposing uh, the opposing themes in those songs. That's really interesting. Um, sonically, um, I made a demo of that song at home. kind of laughing to myself thinking what would the e street band do on this song and you know the e street band's thing and a lot of songs is to you have your main melody as an intro and then you double it on the piano and then the glockenspiel plays it You know, all these instruments are kind of in sync playing that lead line. So it was just kind of a joke, kind of a lark to do that for myself. And um, that song, we made a demo of it and then we recorded it um, for our friend's um, cassette release series a few years ago. This was before the Thunderbird happened. People really liked the song. I'd never really had a quote single before. Um, it was like my first song to get played on NPR and... You know, I think Oklahoma Rock Show said it was their number one song of the year. Just it, it got a lot of attention that, you know, relative for me, that it hadn't happened before. Hey, everybody, I'm back in town. Hey, everybody, I'm back in town. 
I said earlier, I, I wear my influences on my sleeve, um, which I'm okay with. I can never, I could never sing like Springsteen. And I think that's what helps me have my own sound, you know, sonically, we can try and, and hit some of those high points at times, or, you know, be inspired by the energy of the E street band or dire straits or John Mellencamp or something. But, um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the limitations that I have as a vocalist and, and my own subject matter as a writer. I, I'd like to think that keeps, keeps our records being unique while also, you know, not shying away from, from the things we take inspiration from. At the end of the song, you start singing about, uh, I think, it, a real or maybe imaginary band that called The Empty Bottles and how they're playing a show tonight. Uh, are the Empty Bottles a real band? Oh yeah, the Empty Bottles are a real band. They're they're kind of a, a well known Norman uh, cover band. They their whole thing is to do outlaw country covers, and they play at the the kind of the, the towny local dive bar a lot. And they're great. You know, everybody loves them, and for good reason. They're they're what a they're what a bar band should be. They they play songs that everybody loves. Yeah, they're just kind of a unifying thing here in town. Yeah, a lot of people did kind of clue in, zero in on that line, and I think it's because it's one of the lines that uh, just kind of got down to the heart of it. You know, the empty bottles are playing tonight. I think I'm going to get a sitter, and there's just kind of no filter there in terms of uh, this is just exactly who I am right now. I had moved away from Oklahoma for about eight years or so. Oklahoma was always going to be home and will always and was always going to feel like home. But, you know, I'd kind of gotten used to a different pace and a different lifestyle. Um, I was really happy to come back, and I'm still happy I came back. But I'm also really glad to have gotten out for a while and get that other perspective. When was it again that you got the idea to make a movie and kind of concept album about Will Rogers? Um, the idea for Vertigris came to me in about 2007, 2008. And 
I remember telling a friend, I want to make a record about Will Rogers. I'm just going to write a bunch of songs about Will. And I, I've thought a lot about why that happened and why I did that. And that was around the time I had been living in New York for a couple of years. You know, I was living in New York City and it could be an intimidating place. And I was getting involved with, um, you know, area musicians and going to area shows and the band I was in at the time, Cheyenne, we, we had started playing local venues in Brooklyn and the Lower East Side and stuff. And everybody had a thing, you know, everybody was, um, they had their own sound or they had, they had this, whatever made them unique. And I think I was doing a lot of, you know, trying to grow as an artist, like, well, what's my thing? What, what makes me unique? You know, I'm, this is like the lion's den of, of, of cool people. Like what, what, what do I do? And I don't know why I thought it was cool to write about Will Rogers, but I, it was unique to me. And it was something that I felt like, you know, something not, not that only I could do it, but that only I would do it. And it also kind of satisfied a little bit of an itch to, um, to like reflect on where I came from. And I, I think that's hard to do until you leave for a while and get that kind of outside perspective. So that, that's kind of the impetus for, for uh, how the vertigris started. Well, I grew up on this river, I know you did too. And I can't help but see a line there from me to you. I try to get a better look at just whatever it is. Whatever you send floating down the vertigris I feel it welling up inside, I feel my way start to speak I used to ask all kinds of questions, now I just believe Well, I used to be fluent, I used to roll off my lips Now the only thing rolling is the vertigris But when I wake up, this all might be a pretty good joke You know, he was an actor, he was a, a political commentator, he was a vaudeville star. Um, the, the things I appreciate about Will were um, his, just his commentary, the things he had to say, and his, his whole spirit and approach to, to things and looking for, the, looking for commonality and looking for... for um, you know, the things that unite us, but it, it, it's kind of even more basic than that for me. And even a little bit less like, um, it wasn't so much about, Oh, Will is someone I look up to. It's just that he's kind of always been there in my life. When I was a kid, we used to go to the Will Rogers uh, museum. I grew up in Rogers County and uh, that was like our field trip. We'd go there all the time. And it was almost like he was just like this ghost that just was kind of like haunting everything. And so I can't necessarily say, I loved this movie. This quote always really moved me. Or, you know, I loved, uh, I loved this book of his. It was just more about like, this guy's presence is just all over the place. Like, and what's that about? just somebody that's just kind of there and I'm just trying to figure out what what's this all about. Was it difficult writing these kind of songs about a man who's pretty larger than life and has kind of a mythical status, at least in Oklahoma? Some of them I really had to I really had to do research and and kind of read for for context and for clues and for facts. The one about his mother, for example, that one that that one's about his mom who who died when he was very young and you know at the time that I wrote that my mother was still alive but uh, there was something something in the in the way he talked about his mom that I could relate to mother day it's a beautiful thought but it's somebody with a hurting conscience that thought of the idea I actually lost my mom about a year ago and I've thought about that song a little bit since and um it's kind of found a new resonance for me as well, because I think what I realized for a song to work, if you're going to write it about someone else, 
you got to insert yourself or at least um, draw from your own, your own perspective or your own take on it for it to, to have any kind of sincerity or any kind of uh, sticking point. At, at least that's, that's how I understand songwriting right now. And so I think without realizing it, I'd, I'd put a decent amount of my own thoughts and perspective into that song. A mother is the only thing that is so constituted that they possess eternal love. Under any and all circumstances, no matter how you treat them, you still have the love. King of Ulaga was difficult for other reasons because, you know, it was a song about his, his relationship with uh, his father and how he will did his best to um, live up to certain expectations and feeling like he wasn't at the time and, and doing his best to reconcile those. And, and some of those things were, were same things that I, that I deal with and, and aspire to and, and fail at. Mary gave birth just one more time I called him Willie, he called me Paul And as he grew up, a soul must have heard Became the weak king of Uga I framed the windows to the house that you came up in We looked outside them at a state just being born not on the door through which someday you'd go east, but you'll just blow back through the west like a springtime thunderstorm. Blow back through the west like a springtime thunderstorm. That one was a more of a balance of how much do I put myself in here because I feel like there's a lot of myself in here already. And how how much do I pull back and let it be more about Will? Honestly, even though I say it was hard to write, it was one of my favorite songs to write because it kind of hit it hit that nice balance of being about something else, someone else. But um, I kind of felt like I could insert myself into that story uh, pretty easily. Willie left to find his fortune at the Louisiana Purchase Exposition. I framed the windows to the house that you came up in We looked outside them at a state just being born And I hung the door through which someday you'd go east But you'll just blow back through the west like a springtime thunderstorm Blow back through the west like a springtime thunderstorm And I didn't know just what to make of him And I know my part didn't know what to make of me Remember all you trying and you watch it play out again They want to be like you Hide it by trying to be free. Here I am now in New York City where I've come to see his show. What was it like trying to, you know, make this documentary and an album at the same time? That was a really fun process. I really liked the I really liked having to approach it from the two angles. Just from a logistical standpoint, I had to I had to have songs ready to sing when we traveled to these different locations. 
But I kind of knew in the back of my mind that once we got to a place like Alaska or Times Square or Santa Monica, that that song might feel like it needed tweaking or it might need a brand new song when I got there. And that actually happened a few times. I, I, I did have a song ready and on the you know, maybe on the airplane or once we pulled up to the side, I thought, you know, I want to sing something else. I want to sing something different. And the cameras are there and it's ready. You know, you got the crew and you got your, your afternoon to do it. And so I kind of liked that high wire act of having to uh, adjust on the fly. Was it difficult for you to write any other type of songs when you were making Vertigris? Were you able to take a step back and like try and like write songs about a different topic? That took a minute to adjust to. Um, Vertigris took about, well, there was a record and a film there at the same time. And that that whole process took about eight years from when I first conceived of it to when the film you know, premiered and the album came out. I, w- I was just on a certain path with that project. And so when it was time to it's time to do something else. It, it took a minute to not try and think so thematically and to kind of try and loosen up. And I could write a song about Dairy Queen. I could write a song about this guy I just met that's a fracker. I could write a song about, you know, that I want to sing at, at karaoke. Um, I, I tend to think, again, I think the architecture thing kind of drills in your head. Architecture school, at least, you know, what are your, what are your concepts? What's your, what's your motif? What's your, um, what's driving this whole thing that worked really well on Vertigris. I was able to really laser focus on something and the focus was a little more nebulous with the Thunderbird. And I really do like both approaches because sometimes you can be too specific with something and you squeeze out any other possible interpretation for someone. I do think there's a lot of power in not defining it. Uh, but yeah, it, to answer your question, it did take a minute to take my foot off the, the gas, so to speak, and and let the ideas just kind of, you know, just play it as it lays. Let the ideas go where they go and and let the concept be a little bit more, hey, this is me, this is where I am, this is when I am, and these are the songs that happen. Today, as we're kind of talking, uh, you're preparing to release a new album, uh, Son of Thunderbird which is an acoustic kind of remaking of Thunderbird. Uh, why did you feel the the need to kind of redo the songs as an acoustic version? I think because the Thunderbird itself was so focused on the band and how the band sounds. And that was, you know, the ideal way to treat the songs. And then once the record came out, I, I played a number of solo acoustic shows um, to promote it. And I kind of found a new way to express the songs as I was doing that. And the songs uh, kind of took on different meanings for me as I, as I kind of relearned them, you know, on acoustic guitar. And, and I was just proud of the songs. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to just explore them in other ways. And, uh, and honestly, it just sounded like an easy thing to do. It sounded, I'll just sit down and I'll play the songs one afternoon into a mic and that'll be it. Call it Son of Thunderbird. We're done. I've been looking above and below I've been looking everywhere I go It used to be here with me Guess it had to be free Where it went nobody seems to and uh, like anything else, it, we took it a little far and um, brought in a bunch of friends to play on it and treat it more like a, uh, almost a little bit more like a folk record instead of a rock and roll record. Resist it, maybe everyone knows it's a ghost. I'm looking for the 
older bird I think I'm ready to find it Just give me the word I'm looking for the Thunderbird Kind of things did you learn about these songs as you you know recorded this acoustic version? I think sometimes instrumentation can be its own character if you're singing about you know a person. You know certain songs that uh, you know Shaken is one where there's more of an aggressive, uh, urgent feel to that song, and it kind of it kind of implies an aggressiveness or urgency for the character. And then when you strip it back and you play it slower, there's maybe a more apprehensive or uh, cautious uh, tone that the character has all of a sudden. Summer 99 when I pulled out a broken arrow Assemble a piece of town that sent boys to war and, and I liked that kind of back and forth, you know, when we're playing it with the band, it kind of feels like he's saying this. And when I play it by myself and it's a little bit slower, it kind of feels like he's saying that. So in a lot of ways, it, they, you know, they feel like different songs and different meanings. I got a job injecting wells across the state. Sometimes I wouldn't tell nobody what I did. But he really understood it anyway Then one day I guess a big one hit And it left us shaking 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 And with how things are currently are, it's not bad to have something that's a little bit more solo performed. Absolutely, yeah. That's been a funny. That's been a funny new um, world to dive into. The band hasn't been. We haven't. You know, I haven't seen any of the band guys since uh, since the whole pandemic started. Um, hopefully, someday soon we'll get together and play. Oh, hold on one second, Matthew. What's up, buddy? You want to sit in here? Okay, yeah. Just keep quiet, okay? Was that uh, your son that I was hearing in the background at all? Yeah, that's been part of the whole uh, pandemic shift is uh, the the multitasking. Has it made songwriting easier or more difficult? Um, I haven't. I haven't really found a way to write um, in the past couple months. Maybe here and there, I'll. You know, I'll jump. Well, I guess I should say I've always traditionally written when I'm doing something else. I, I've never been someone that really was able to sit down and say, I'm writing a song now. It They they just come to me or li- lines come to me at certain times. And then other times I'm able to splice them together and then and then go from there. I've never really been able to sit down and say, tonight I'm writing a song and then I have it. So in that sense... My songwriting process hasn't changed, um, but, you know, it's definitely not been made easier either. And I also, you know, it's way too soon for me to, like, write about the pandemic or anything. I don't know that the, if that'll ever happen. Maybe in a couple of years I'll have some thoughts on it, but kind of too in the weeds right now. I don't even work in Barstow. I carpool 50 miles east. Straight into the Mojave, a highway dairy queen. Well, uh, I just want to thank you for uh, taking the time out to talk to me today. Yeah, I really appreciate you um, including me on your podcast. I've listened to a few of them, and they're really cool. They say the West was one, but Boston is dairy queen. Might have made you an ice cream cone 
Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU in the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Ryan McCroy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find Songwriters and Tour Writers wherever you get your podcasts. Financial support for this podcast and KOSU comes from the generous support of KOSU members, who are listeners just like you. If you would like to become a member of KOSU, just click the donate button at ksu.org. says I'm trying to win a race, who says I'm trying to get redeemed.